Hi everybody, I trust you're doing well. Thanks for checking us out and just listening to perhaps, hopefully some things that will be helpful for all of us. Uh, no doubt we've been through some interesting moments and seasons right now. And uh, I trust you believe that God is in it. I don't believe God sent this. Some do, I don't. I don't believe He sent this virus, but I certainly believe He allows it and allowed it for purpose and reason. We all know that what the Bible says about what the devil means for bad and evil, God allows and intends and uses it for the good. And so I trust you seeing that in some of what we're involved in right now. It's no doubt caught a lot of people off guard, perhaps even the church. And, and we get that and we understand that. But this we know, God is in absolute control. And I guess for me, some of the, the things that needed to be highlighted is we believe that uh, three key things in a season like this to be reminded of. Number one is that God is good. And uh, that is, I mean, it's not a cliche. And I think it's become a cliche, but it's actually God has revealed His goodness to many, to all even in a season like this, he is a good God. And uh, even in downtime, bad time, valley time, high seasons, low season, God is good. Second, we have to understand God is gracious. He's full of grace and he extends grace to his people and to all people. And we've seen that even in a, a season like this, that God has extended grace, un, undeserving and certainly unmerited, but he just favors his people. He favors us. So he's a good God. He's a gracious God. And he's a governing or a sovereign God. I do believe the Bible's very clear. God is sovereign. I know some people struggle with that and I want to tell you I don't fully understand that but I believe he's in control of all things. He's involved in all things and he knows exactly what he's doing. And so I think that's a good thing to be reminded in a time and a season like this just to know that actually God has these things. It's not a cliche even when we can't see it even if I don't understand it. I know that you're working. We sang that song that you're a way maker miracle. It's become an anthem I guess more than ever before. But even when we can't see it, we know that you're working. And that's true. God is always at work. Um, And I wanted to say there are some things he's done in this time and season that are essential for us as the church to function in the future that he has for us. And and so not everything's bad and not everything's to get rid of. But there are some things that need to change. Obviously must change. I, I put a list together of what must change and what must not change. And certainly it's not an exhaustive list. And I'm I'm certainly... Uh, kind of not the, the person who hears God for the world. But I do believe that the things he's made very clear. And we need to, do, I want to challenge you as leaders to, to write this list of what must not change, what cannot change, and preach around those things as we come into this new season. But also, there are some things that need to change. And I'll put a list together, again, not an exhaustive list, of what needs to change in this time and this season. Now, I don't know about you, but as a leader in the local church or as a leader of the church, in the church. I I really sense the heart of God for us to catch this heart of jealousy for God's bride again. Um, You know, 2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 2 to 3, Paul says, I am jealous, not of you, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. There's a godly jealousy, friends, and we need to not be jealous of people or jealous uh, of churches or a fleshy thing, but there is this heart that I think has certainly come on me again of understanding that we need to protect the bride of Christ. We need to protect this the church. We need to make sure that we are keeping her free uh, in a season and a time like this. And so I, I love where Paul says, I'm jealous for you with a godly jealousy. I promised you to one husband, to Christ, so that I might present you as a pure virgin to him. Verse 3, troubling what he says, but I am afraid that just as Eve was deceived by the serpent's cunning, your minds may somehow be led astray from your sincere and pure devotion to Christ. And so 
while that is Paul's heart, and I believe God gave him that heart, I think there's something of that heart that God's revealing again to me, certainly hopefully to us. And we want to protect the bride. We want to make sure she's pure and she's sincere and pure devotion is to Christ, not to ministries, to people, to other teachings. We've got to make sure there's this godly jealousy. And I, I think that's something of what God is doing. And you know, people have talked, has this been a setback or a setup? Well, it depends on your plans. If it's been your plans, we know Proverbs 19, 21. God said, oh, the Bible says many are the plans in a man's heart, but it's the Lord's purpose that prevails. And so if it's been a setback for us, it's perhaps because we've been running with our plans. And again, guys, not wrong to have plans. I certainly have had a lot of our plans paused or even now done away with. And I still think coming out of this, we better have some plans. But the Bible is very clear. The man's plans uh, are many, but it's the purposes of God that matter most. And so I think we can see this as a setup, honestly, if we are understanding the plans of God. But maybe we feel it's a setback if it's all our plans are on pause. So, so again, let's make sure we're on what God's doing. But what has God done, is doing? What's He been doing uh, in this time and season? Again, there's many others who have different perspective, and I, I, I heed to those, and I want to hear. Let me just throw out some things I believe God has done, is doing in this season. And I want to talk about what must change in light of this time and season of what He has done. He is and has been, I believe, reclaiming His church. I think that is purely... Um, it's a biblical thing, but it's very much evident out there that God's just taking his vehicle back and saying, this is my vehicle. The church belongs to me. Jesus is the head of the church. He, he, he is the builder of the church. And, and in a sense, I don't believe that it's... Anyway, so let, let me just say, he's bringing back, I believe, and reclaiming his church. And I've said, I've talked around this thing of the Lord of the work has been revealed again as more important than the work of the Lord. We're so busy with God's work that we've ignored the Lord of the work. And I think reclaiming His church is just bringing us back to understanding He's more important than everything and anything. And even going forward in this next season, let's make sure we keep presenting this church as His church, giving it to Him, letting Him govern it, not us, His people, His vehicle, purchased with His blood. And I think that's something of what God is doing, has done in this time and season. I, I do believe there's a resetting. And that means many things to many people. Just forgive my ignorance in all of this, but I don't understand a whole lot of the practicalities when it comes to uh, electronics. But I do have satellite TV at home, and I also do have uh, a computer and all those things. And to be honest, when things aren't working well, I just unplug it or turn it off and then plug it in and let it reset. Interesting that it seems to work every time. It doesn't always make sense. I, I kind of hold my breath and hope it all comes back. I know it's the wrong way and programmers will tell me don't do it like that. But I, I hold my breath as I watch the lines become and then it's kind of refining and rebooting. And, but ultimately what happens is it doesn't all get thrown out. It's just the stuff that's unnecessary gets sorted out. And I think that's important for us to know because some guys are throwing it all out and start again. No, no. Reset is all this other stuff where we've got busy and maybe good stuff, but God's just saying, I want... I want to just bring it back to some of the basics again and get you to understand, don't get busy with all things. Stick to what it is God's called you to do. And so I think there's that resetting. Don't throw it all out, but throw stuff out that God's wanting out so we can focus and be effective in simplicity and clarity in a time and season like this. I believe there's a realigning or a realigning and a repositioning. Us with His heart. Uh, let me just say again, I think Jesus is the head of the church, but He's also the heart and the hope. A lot of guys say, well, Jesus is the head, we're the heart. No, no, friends, we don't need our heart. 
And you look around what's happening in the world today and everyone's like, the, the church is the solution. No, no, Jesus is the solution, but it's through the church. But only through the church that has Jesus as head, that has Jesus' heart, because we don't need a heart out there or a good heart. We need His heart. So I want to suggest Jesus is the head of the church. He's the heart of the church. And He's the hope of the church and for the world. We are the hands and feet. And I believe there's a realigning in this time of God bringing us back to not having a heart, His heart. Christ's heart so we can reflect Jesus Christ to this world that is desperate for honest revelation of Jesus. Not good churches, good theories, good practical understandings. Christ is the solution to everything we're facing out there. So I can say, please practice the presence of Jesus. I think you'll treat people well, very hard to treat anyone of any culture, of any color, of any creed, of any class. In a different way, if we are absolutely practicing the presence of Jesus. Because the more I see Christ, the more I see myself. And I realize to be a follower of Jesus means I can't look at people differently than how Jesus would see them. And I think if we do, friends, maybe imagine if we just actually realize that every person we come into contact with, wherever they're from, whatever they look like, just think for a moment, if we treated every one of them like they were created in the image of God, which the Bible says they are, they were made in God's image. Even if they're different to you and I, think differently, act differently, look different, smell different, whatever. But they were made in the image of God. Then how could we treat anyone badly? Eh? And that's a challenge for us, no doubt. But also, if we see everyone as a potential who's been purchased with the blood of Jesus, the one we claim to love so much. The one we say we adore and we've given our lives to. He purchased people with His blood. If we love Him and realize what His blood has purchased... And those people that maybe we think aren't as awesome as us, something has to shift by understanding. He purchased them with His blood. You claim to follow Him. We need His heart. We need Him to be head. We need Him to be the hope. And we're the hands and feet that represent Him. Honestly, friends, I think a lot of what's going on out there would actually move away. The church just bought into this truth of revelation. Everyone is equal because how God made them to be. And that, I know, is a reality, and God's bringing us back to that. I think He's enlightening us with His purpose. The ways of God, organic, spirit life, our methods and methodology, and all that happens. And we'll talk a little about that. Even ways of coming back to church and gatherings and all those. Don't feel like, just can I say, people who are not coming back to all our meetings at this stage and keeping online stuff, let's not make people feel second-rate in all of this. Let's help them understand they got convictions. they got moral understandings too. And no one's wrong and right. We just want to make space for God's people, not polarize in a season like this. And I hope that makes sense. But He's also, I think, helping us uh, in this reset and realigning, repositioning us with, with people, empowering people with the priesthood. You know, we all want the priesthood. The Bible's very clear. The New Covenant, the New Testament, that we are all priests. We need the priesthood to function for the church to fulfill the mandate, God. We can't have a handful of leaders doing everything. God will never allow that. And so the response in what we've been involved in right now, I believe God has empowered. He's, he's forced the priesthood to rise up. My challenge to you and I as leaders as we bounce back to some normality again, let's not take everything back. Let's, let's empower people and keep them empowered because God's repositioned people for our future so we can function in those things. And so keep your finger on the pulse as leaders, but don't Take it all back to prove that you're the leader. Let's kind of almost decentralize some of the stuff we've been centralizing so we can function in the future that God has for us. I believe there's been a refocusing. My challenge to you and I is this. Let's get our agenda, not from the culture or from the world, 
Let's get our agenda from the Word of God. Let the Word of God determine what we do, how we go about it, because that is what it is that I think. And so quickly, God refocuses us, and we want to get back into other stuff. Let's keep focused on what it is God's called us to do. I believe there's also been a season of refreshing, which is awesome. And I do, even though we're tired and this stuff and all this upkeep of the church and all that. But there is a refreshing for God. I believe He's refreshing the church to function into the future of what He has. And I think He's seeing some of that, even from the day-to-day stuff we've done or the normal ministries we've carried. Even myself not being able to travel as much. There's something of God in that to just refresh us in a season like this for the season that lies ahead. And then also, I think there's been a releasing of things for a greater release. And I do believe some of those things have happened God's releasing things from the church, but there's this promise of a greater release into the church to get on with the mandate and the mission God has. So whatever that means, I know there's a whole lot more for us, but I want to just throw those things and say, if that is some of what God is, and I want to suggest has done, then friends, there are some things that are going to change when we come back. And again, I'm just trying to be as practical as I can and say, um, what must change? So here we go. Just a few thoughts around us. What must change? Please understand, not everything must change. And again, I hopefully can do another session around what shouldn't change. But my challenge to you is you should also do that for yourself and for your local church. And you should preach into what doesn't change. Because right now everyone wants to change everything. We've got to change what God wants to change. So what must change, what is changeable, and what not changeable should never change regardless of any season. But here's what must change. Some thoughts. Obviously, and I think this is a big one for us guys. And we talk a lot about it, but it's become, again... A revelation. And here's what, what needs to change is number one, we must, uh, how we measure success. Um, again, it's a, it's a hot topic and I know that churches are big on what their ideas are. And a lot of people are even pushing right now. We need to hear about church growth again. And again, I understand all those things. What I want to throw out is this. We need to change how we measure success. Because here's the problem with that statement. However we measure success, we'll do two things. Number one, it reveals the culture of us as a church. Secondly, it reinforces the culture of our church. So whatever is that measuring stick, whatever we claim, whatever we are pursuing as success, it has ramifications to reveal who we are, but also to reignite and reinstate and and make us pursue those things again. So it's a big deal. And I think a lot of us, if we're honest, we, we've pursued this as a measuring thing. Our gatherings, how many people gather, when we gather, what our gatherings look like. We've almost, like I've said, made the mission, made the gathering the mission. And that's wrong measurement. I just want to tell you, that might be culturally relevant or even church relevant, but it's not kingdom relevant. And, and not to say mess, uh, uh, gatherings are not important, but that's not the measure of success when it comes to understanding the kingdom of God. And so I challenge you and I to go back to scripture and say, how do we measure success? Because whatever we're doing, whatever that statement be, that's what we're pursuing and that's revealing who we are. So as we go forward, I do want to say, you know, God counts, we count success, but I still believe God measures success. Uh, And what I mean, or weighs success. We count it, He weighs it. And so I don't believe it's like how many, it's more about how much of Jesus is in what we're doing. And also kind of getting back to the mission matter. So I want to leave it hanging there because I want to challenge you to go look at scripture again and say, what does the Bible say success is? And we as the church have now realized we need to change and make sure what we're saying is success is biblical, not cultural, not church, biblical. And I think that's a big thing right now. And if you're honest, as that mirror was shown and as we've walked through some of this stuff, 
I think pastors and leaders have had to go back to say, what is success? Because we don't know what's coming next. But this I know, we better be functioning in the success of what it means to be successful from Scripture. So hopefully that motivates you and challenges you and I to go back to Scripture and find what is success in the economy of heaven and in the kingdom of God. Secondly, I want to suggest what also needs to change is clearly our motives. And I think there's a lot of motive that God has done that. It's in a deep work. In our darkest hour, as we've, we've said, God does His deepest work. And I think motives, again, not to be all inward focused, but there are motives that we need to change. Why we do what we do, how we do. What are the motives behind it? Just think some of those things through. But, but I've got to say what must always be is that we, our motives must always be for the love and glory of God. And if anything other is the motivation for those things, then perhaps our motives are wrong. As I believe, again, friends, as we're going, coming out of this, what must change is our motives for why we do what we do. And again, it's not now it's sorted. It's just continually sorting these things out. But our motives must always be checked and adjusted and changeable to come back to this. I do this for the love of God and more than that, for the glory of God. So I get no glory. I do this for Him. Man, what a, what a way to function. And I'm not sure the church has been. I think we wanted to, but I'm not sure we have. Now we have a moment to adjust it. And so again, thirdly, I also want to say our modus operandi. In other words, the way we go about what we do. And I think some of that has to change. You know, we, we talk about the ways of God. Now we talk about organic life. I do think the church has become so structurally tight and, and, and it's almost holding back the life of God. And I know that's a dangerous statement, but... But the reminder for you and I is that the structure is there to serve the life. It's like the banks and the river. We're all talking about it right now. Let me tell you, the river without banks doesn't function. So we're not getting rid of the banks. But the banks are there, in a sense, to, to help the flow of the river. And so don't make the banks the thing. Understand that banks are there. We want to keep the life of God. We need organic life in the church again, friends. We can't have the predictability. I mean, Scripture is unchanging. But some of the life, the wind blows wherever it chooses. Again, not to be weird, just to get back to true, authentic Christianity and life from God. We need organic life. And the church needs to be organic, not this organization that is so predictable. Our meetings are so predictable. I want to challenge you and I. Let's trust for the organic life to flow again. The spirit life, the life of the spirit, the wind blows wherever it chooses. Let's have some of that again rather than this is it. We're going back to this and this is how it's going to have two songs, a preacher. I'm not having a go. I'm just saying there's better ways as we are led by the spirit as this modus operandi of how we go about things. Let God give us fresh ways and fresh understanding. Let it be led by the Spirit, not in reaction. And some of that stuff we have done, we can do. But let's make sure it's because the life of God's in it, not because we're comfortable with it. And I think that is the challenge in this. Fourthly, which is linked to this, uh, is our methods and our methodology. This is probably one of the most sacred things, unfortunately. It's almost like we've made methodology or methods our ways to be the most important thing. And, and, and while I want to tell you ways matter, friends, I understand that wholeheartedly. I do want to liberate us a little and say, we can't say these are the ways of God. These are the methods of God. Because the Bible is very clear that our ways are not your ways. God says, our ways are not, my ways are not your ways and my thoughts are not your thoughts. I'm not saying that's a big chasm, chasm between him and us. What I am saying, though, is perhaps we need to understand that in finding ways in God, rather than saying these are God's ways, let's talk about finding ways in God to function in the what He's called us to do. And so methodology has to change. 
It's almost like people have put the two together, the what we've been called to and the how have to be linked. And I want to say that, that God changes the hows in many things to fulfill the what, in seasons, in times. Uh, we can't be doing what they're doing in the 80s, although I love the 80s. The 80s is a different era to the era now and how we go and function and what we do and how we go about it, friends. That is uh, we have the freedom in God to find God's, uh, find ways in God to function and reach people today, to connect with the people today. We don't change the what we've been called, but the hows are up for grabs. And I think there's some hows that God is showing and revealing and perhaps even methods. I heard someone say it's the idolatry of method is what kept Moses out of the promised land. We, we, he so idolized, and again, I think it's a radical statement. I'm, I'm sure that played a part, but I just thought it was a moment to say, hey, you know what, guys? He so emphasized how to do it that he actually missed the promised land. I think that can happen so easy in the church today because we're comfortable what we've been involved in, or perhaps this is the way we've always done it, and the new ways, the fresh ways. I'm not saying do away with those things. Just don't let methodology determine the mandate. Let the mandate and the mission determine how we go about it and what we're doing. Again, coming back to how our meetings and our gatherings, let's not just bounce back to this is how it is. Let's find ways in God and so on. I think another thing that needs to change is, is our mission. Not the mission changes, but the mission needs to be more adaptable. I just, I probably have realized this more and more in this season. We always talk about that. But right now we realize in times and seasons where you can't meet, can gather, how you gather, there's moments for this mission. to we, we can function in the mission regardless of how we get together. And so again, I want to just throw that out and just challenge you. I'm not telling you how to do that. Just find ways and know that the mission doesn't change, but it is very adaptable. If you look through church history, how this mission continued, where the lockdown shut down, allowed to meet, not allowed to meet. Some regions have been locked down for many, gone underground. Other places, you're not allowed to go and evangelize on the street, but they find ways in God. Why? Because this mission can function it can happen in, under any uh, governance, or under any leadership, any, any presidential, any government out there. It can function in all these ways if we stick to the plan of God and understand it is adaptable, must be adaptable. And I think as we're approaching the return of Jesus, I think we the church are going to have to learn to understand and adapt this mission to function in the bigness of what, and the intention of God uh, as we approach the return of Christ to be able to reach people in any moment, any time, any season. And so I hope that encourages you. Yes, makes you a little nervous, but encourages you to pursue God in this and find fresh ways globally and how to reach out and so on. But this mission must be adaptable. It's not a changer. We don't change it, but it's adaptable and it really is. And we can see that through church history and through scripture. Another thing I, I want to challenge us, and maybe this is a little bit offensive, but I, I think our self-sufficient mentality as the church needs to be changed. And it has been, and we need to keep this thing changed. And I don't believe, I mean, I hear a lot of people say, you know, it's our self-indulgent culture that is hindering the life of the church. And I, 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 don't, I see there is self-indulgence, but I don't necessarily think that's our biggest challenge in the church. I think our biggest challenge is that the church has been very much focused on the mission of God globally. The majority of churches, I think, are serious about the mandate of heaven. They are getting on with the Great Commission. They're doing their best to get out and be upward and outward focused. But here's what I think we've done. And this is the danger is that we've almost got so uh, casual or even so good at what we do. And how we do it, because we've done it for so long and we've had some success, that we've almost got to a place where we think we can actually walk in this 
without God. We can do the will of God without God. And I don't believe we've ever said to God, we don't need you. But it's almost like we've got to a place where our self-sufficient mentality is we've got this God. We know what we're doing. We're getting on with it. And I want to tell you, friends, maybe our hearts are good, but we need to come back to this revelation. God will not allow us to do anything in his name for his glory and his kingdom without him. Just read scripture. And I believe what he's doing is I want to, he's brought us back to say, I'm not blessing your thing. You are part of my thing and you need me. And Jesus made it clear, apart from me, John 15, but apart from me, you can do nothing. So guys, we can go about mimicking actions and doing stuff. But if it's not with him, if he's not in it, we're wasting our time. And so it's again, I don't think it's, Again, our self-indulgent culture, it's our self-sufficient mentality. We got this, God. We know what we're doing. We're doing this for you. And God said, yeah, yeah, but you've got to do it with me. And people have asked me, even over the season, Tyron, have you handled kind of this whole thing and, uh, you know, of being able, because I've preached on how Paul had this heart to, to do things for God. What motivated Paul? He did it for God, why he's been called. But the mission, that, that I guess the revelation for me is that we do it with God. That is the guaranteed success in all of this, is that we don't do it for him, we do it with him. And I want to just challenge you, and I don't, let's not get back into doing stuff without him, from running our businesses to being parents to being husbands and wives. Everything I want to suggest must come back to this. I don't want to do this without you, Lord. And so let's not have our self-sufficient mentality that actually hinders the progress of the work of the gospel and the kingdom in our next season and time. Another thing is our mindsets, and I'll probably try and land with one of the, with this. But I think our mindsets need to adjust. And again, what I've felt in this is that um, you know I've watched people allow the the present situation, the current things we're facing, actually to determine the future we've been called to. And and, and I understand it, friends. And there's lessons to be learned, which I've already shared some of those. But I want to suggest we can't allow the this season to determine our future. We have to somehow in the mindsets that we're facing allow the future God's called us to to determine how we function in and through and out of this season don't let the present determine the future let the future God's called us to determine how we operate and lead and govern and live in a season like this so please don't let this determine and define you as a church or you as an individual or us as a team or NCMR whatever your ministry be this should not determine us. This should be adjusting some of the stuff. But it's the future that God's called us to. And I think it's a mindset that needs to shift. Don't live in the moment for the moment. Always living for the future God's called us to. The best is yet to come. The promises of God are still to be fulfilled. The mission of God hasn't changed. And so that's what's going to motivate us in a time and season like this. So it's our mindset of the present determining the future. We need to change that. Live for the now, but understand. Live in the now, but understand we're living for the future. Another thing is this pragmatic approach, which I've addressed many times. But you see it today more and more. This mindset, we're just pragmatic. We'll find what works. We'll do what everyone else is doing. We'll embrace what everyone else is saying. And guys, I understand that it might be a good heart, but it's a dangerous thing. And it's a mindset that needs to shift. We don't just do the right thing, the next thing. We're asking God. We're hearing God. We're not being pragmatic. This is not a pragmatic thing. This is a divine thing. And I want to just suggest, let's lead and, uh, uh, with the future in mind, with the purposes of God, knowing this belongs to Him. Our mindset of being pragmatic. Can I also say our mindset of people pleasing? You know, we are pleasing people. It's unfortunate, unfortunately. We want to impress people or keep people. And so we, 
It's a mindset that needs to shift. Even bouncing back, coming back, going back into meeting and gathering again. Be careful, friends, in our desire and effort to keep people connected and engaged that we don't embrace what they want or even what we want or what the church wants. We've got to come back to what it is God wants. Let's please God, even in what's happening around the world now. Ask God for what He wants. Let's not appease a culture. Let's not speak up to appease someone. Let's just, okay, understand our hearts. We must please God. I just come back to this thing. This moment, this season is not about people pleasing. It's about pleasing God. And I think that's part of why he's brought us back to understand that. You know, A.W. Tozer said, if a church can't worship, then it must be entertained. And I, I say, God, please help us not buy back into entertaining the church and entertaining people. Let's get people to understand what it means to be true worshipers in, in spirit and in truth and in life and in all that we're doing. It's done in, for the glory of God and we know how to press into God for ourselves rather than be spoon-fed in every season from people and from leaders. I hope that makes sense. You know, I believe this. If we're not seeking the glory of God, then I believe we're depending on the affirmation of men. That's a very dangerous way to live and certainly a dangerous way to lead. And I love to hear from people when there's a job that I've done and it's been done well done. I really like to hear that. People think I don't because I but I really do. But I want to tell you, if I'm living on the affirmation of men, then I actually don't really care about the glory of God. We need to seek the glory of God. We need the affirmation from God, whether we're hearing it from people or not, friends. In this time and season, be careful. You're not looking for affirming from others. We're looking from the absolutely depending on the affirmation of God, the seeking the glory of God. How does this bring glory to you, God, rather than how can I get accolades and affirmation from people? Remember this, that what we win people with is what we win people to. And so I want to suggest we don't make it about the church and about comfort and convenience. We stick to the plan, the king and the kingdom. We need to preach the kingdom of God, friends. That's what we want people to. Not to a great church, but into this kingdom of which there is one Lord, one king. And we, he rules and reigns and we submit it to him. And I think we've got to preach it. Also, I'm just saying, don't be impatient. <laughs> and I think that's the thing. I'm just going to preach on it and I'm putting it out there. But impatience is a mindset. We are frustrated and we allow the flesh to get in the way. And just remember, God's got this. There's a timetable in heaven. I know it doesn't make it easier. Certainly doesn't always make sense. But I want to tell you, there is a timetable in heaven. God's not working at our pace. I want to challenge us to stay at His appointed place and go at His appointed pace. And don't be impatient and don't force things and don't break things. And I know we are called to force. I understand forceful men who lay hold of the kingdom. I understand that. But let's not be forcing things God hasn't called us to. Let, let's trust God. And, and as He opens doors, we walk through. As He closes doors, we don't try and kick them down. Just don't be impatient. You know, when you pray and when you ask God, there's three answers. Yes, no, and, and, and not, uh, yes, no, and wait. And again, friends, yes and no are no-brainers. But this thing of waiting is the thing we struggle with most, I think. And so in a season like this and coming out into the next season, can I suggest... Let's not be impatient. Let's not be frustrated. Let's go to God and ask God to reveal His heart in what He's doing in a time, in a season. It actually helps us understand God has got this. He is in control. Don't get frustrated. Go to His schedule. Go to His time as you pray. Get in perspective. I think prayer, again, and, and understanding. Let's get God's perspective. The mindset in all of this that needs to change is what's your perspective. We love to run to people and we love to ask others. And there's nothing wrong with those things. But somehow we don't seem to go to God first. And I just want to tell you, we need God's perspective. God opened my eyes. God show me. God revealed. Rather than getting perspective from everyone else. We need to not pursue the wrong things, guys. And I think that's, again, it's so easy to get into that. But that's a mindset that needs to change. Don't get busy. 
Don't get busy with ministry. Don't feel like we have to do everything everyone else is doing so we can keep the people or be a real church. Just pursue the things God's called you to pursue. As He's released some things from us, let's make sure. You know, I've said this, the devil desires to destroy us, but he's only been given the power to distract us. So how do you think he destroys us? That's right, by distracting us. So let's not have this mentality or, 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 or just getting on with everything. No, no, let's hear God and give ourselves to that. And lastly, I want to say in this thing of Mindsets that need to shift. We need personal revelation. I understand the, 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 the key to being together and cooperating together and encouraging one another and gathering together. All those things are necessary. It's been a sad to see how this, this virus has isolated people. That's the way of curing it, apparently, is to isolate. So people have been isolated and now we've seen division. So isolate and divide. And uh, those are both deadly things to the church if we don't understand what the devil's doing behind it. I'm saying that to say, while we need to gather, while we need to connect, while we need to engage and press in with one another, that's key and biblical. The thing I do want to say is we need our own personal revelation. No longer can we borrow truth from others. Whether you are the leader in the church or just a participator or whatever your role is, friend, I want to challenge you, young or old, in this season and in this time, God has revealed this again. We need our personal revelation. Who do you say I am? Not what do people say about me? What is your church? Who do you say? And I think the mindset that has to shift is I rely on others to tell me who Jesus is. I want to say, no, we have a mandate and responsibility and privilege to know Christ for ourselves. So would you do that? Would you pursue Jesus? Would you change your mindset? And my job is to tell everyone else, no, no, my job is to connect with the Lord myself and to help others grow in their revelation. We need to be begging God to reveal more of Himself, I believe, every single day. And so again, guys, it's not an exhaustive list. I hope I haven't exhausted you with some of these. I challenge you to take some of these truths and go look through Scripture again. Let God grab your heart as I've allowed Him to, try to do that in my life. I'm certainly in this season challenging our team. I'm challenging all the guys I connect with, the pastors, the leaders, the people, my family, and so on. Uh, there's many more. I'm sure you have them. And I ask you, please, to just allow the changes and the flexibility. And I also want to suggest, again, do a list, write a biblical list of what must not change. And maybe I can do one of those as well and preach and teach around some of that. But these have been good season, great season. God's got this. I believe that. Let's learn the lessons. Let's embrace the now, but also the future. And let's enjoy this time and season. God bless you. Stay strong. Stay focused. And this is the time for the church to arise and shine. Isaiah 60, arise and shine for the light has come. And the glory of the Lord has risen upon us. Let's go be. Not just do it. Let's go be it. God bless you. Thanks a lot.